0: going to quit cycling because of an injury.
1: Hey podcast listener, you're listening to the Semi Pro Cycling Podcast, the weekly podcast where we discuss all the issues that cyclists talk about. Whether you're out training, commuting, or just riding around, sit down and listen in because we're about to begin. I got something to say. Yo-ho! Welcome to episode 58 of the Semi-Pro Cycling Podcast, where we believe that only a Semi-Pro Cyclist rides for love and not money. If you stick around to the end, I'll fill you in on the quote from the top of the show and let you know who this hard man is. Hey there, Semi-Pros. My name is Damien Roos. I'm the founder of Semi-Pro Cycling, home of the Semi-Pro Cyclist. And one very quick review just to get us underway today. Brilliant five stars from... Midi Rutu in the UK. I've just started to listen to the podcast and I'm hooked. Great information delivered in a fun and charismatic manner. Great for warm downs or when you have 30 minutes of downtime. Keep up the good work. Hashtag racing raiders. Well, thank you very much for taking the time out to write that review. I hope you do get a lot from the show and definitely this is perfect for warm downs. A quick reminder to you that if you do like the show, please take some time out to drop in a review in the iTunes podcast section. It really would mean the world to me. Bam. Okay, I have got a voicemail from Kevin Vaughan here. He just does a quick mini review of the Stages Power Meter. I don't know if you remember last week, I called out for people that are actually using the Stages Power Meter because I haven't had any contact with anyone that's using them. And it was really great to hear someone and someone getting something out of it. So have a listen to this.
0: Hey Damien, this is Kevin Vaughn from El Paso, Texas. Just listening to this morning's episode, you mentioned the Stages Power Meter. I've had mine for a couple of weeks now and I really like it. Granted, it's my first power meter, so I'm still getting used to it. I don't really have a lot of a lot to compare from from using other power meters, but thing was really easy to install. It seems to be super responsive, and uh, the cadence sensor works great. It hooked up to my Garmin without any issues, and you know I've been pulling all my data into WKO Plus to look at my ride data and all my. My buddies that have, you know, the more expensive SRM models and stuff have had no problems interpreting the data. So it seems to be coming across nice and clean.
1: It really is cool news that it's working out for you, Kevin. It's really leaning me over into that direction a little bit more. And I have read other reviews on the web now that are saying that it is at least consistent, if not giving similar readings to the other players in the market. So that is exciting stuff, especially when it comes to ease of installation and price. So the news this week and the USA Pro Challenge is underway. And what can I say about Lachlan Morton? He's done it again. He's currently... Leading the stage race, it's pretty cool stuff. The bro is definitely on fire, and Garmin overall is having a stellar year, so it really adds up to that. Outside of the USA Pro Challenge, not much going on, but it really is all building up. Well, slowly building up. There doesn't seem to be a lot of press about the Welter starting this Saturday, which, wow, I can't wait for it. I thought I was over tour racing, and usually when it gets to this end of the year, I kind of am, but. The Welter this year, with 11 hilltop finishes, is going to be absolutely mental. There may not be the absolute big guns racing. Well, there are a couple, but there's not the big guns that have got the press over the last couple of years, except for maybe Nibali. Valverde, Rodriguez, okay, there are going to be some big riders there, but it just doesn't get the hype that most other races do, so that is a bit of a shame, but I'm definitely looking forward to it, and I'm definitely a little saddened by Uskatel, Uskadi. it will be their swan song, they are disbanding at the end of this season, which is such a shame, because they've been around for 19 years, they have supplied a lot of joy in the mountains, especially in the tour, and especially in the Tour of Spain. So I'm really, really hoping that they create some fireworks for their final tour. My top three, my predictions for the top three are going to be Vincenzo Nibali is going to be my number one pick. I think he's well-rested. Second, I'm going to go for a controversial one because he is a young rider. He got fifth in the Giro this year, Carlos Bentecourt. Can he do it? Can he step up Has he been able to recover and keep his training up? And is his motivation high to do well? In the top three, rounding out third position, I'm going to cheat here. I'm going to go for either Valverde or Rodriguez. I think... They both might be very tired from the tour and I don't think they'll be able to get to that top spot. Rodriguez has said that this really is his opportunity to be number one finally. He's had a lot of seconds and third places when it comes to Grand Tours, but he's never stood on the top step of the podium. So he might have some extra motivation and he is an explosive rider. So him battling it out with Nibali is one prospect that I'm super excited about. So we will see what happens. I just don't Think he will have it in him. Okay, so muscle cramps, the intense involuntary contraction of a muscle that usually occurs during or immediately after exercise. This guy knows how crap they can be and I'm sure you do too because not only are they painful but they can shut down your race, your ride and even your celebration. They are super common in the peloton and if you talk to anyone that has tried cycling there is a high chance that they have had a muscle cramp or at least have had a friend had one. So when I mention cramps I'm talking about exercise associated muscle cramps or EAMC which are the localized cramps that affect one specific area rather than an all over body cramp. So something else that is super shitty about muscle cramps is that they are a medical mystery. There is no really convincing biological explanation for them and it also goes to stand the super shitty thing is on the internet. There is so much crap when comes to muscle cramps, so many crap products, blah, blah, blah. I'm here just to knock all that stuff out so you can focus on the real stuff that's actually going to make a difference even if it is slightly anecdotal because the scientific evidence doesn't point in that direction. And speaking of scientific evidence, one quick note, there are definitely a lot of people that deal with cramping in absolutes, which is absolute garbage to me because absolutes are never the case in most things. So whether it's a scientist, a sports nutrition company, or it's me telling you what the best thing or the only way to do something, do not take it at face value. Prove it to yourself and prove it that it works or doesn't work in your specific circumstances and body. So getting back to cramps, a review done on cramp-related studies done in 2010 concluded the following. Despite the prevalence of EAMC, few experimental data exist on their cause, treatment and prevention, although several theories have been Postulated for their cause, much of the evidence is non scientific or observational, thus causation cannot be inferred. Numerous untested anecdotal prevention strategies exit from the prevention of EAMC. Example pickle juice. The level of evidence for these prevention strategies is low. It is likely that the cause of EAMC is multifactorial. Stretching appears to be effective regardless of the cause of EAMC. So, does that make sense? Sense to you, it makes perfect sense to me that there are lots of things that go into creating cramps and no one knows anything about it. Well, that's not entirely true, but it definitely doesn't stop people from having a whole bunch of different recommendations when it comes to cramps. And as far as studying cramps is concerned, I really couldn't pinpoint why it's hard to study cramps. I do believe that it's more to do with how hard it is to induce realistic sport cramps than anything else. But there are three leading hypotheses about how to treat cramps and how to prevent them floating around. So number one, The dehydration proposal that you just need more fluid. This common belief that dehydration causes muscle cramps and muscle spasms are becoming less. Incredible. Recent researchers that studied triathletes found athletes' races showed that those who suffered muscle spasms or muscle cramps had the same level of dehydration and blood mineral levels as those who did not get muscle spasms or muscle cramps. Absolutely, dehydration is being wiped off the table as far as the major reason that muscle cramps happen. Number two, there is the electrolyte hypothesis, that what you really need is sodium, magnesium, potassium, and basically, again, it is just not I'll link to a great article that goes through the four studies, yes, only four studies that have been done since 1986, but basically these studies show no relationship between any electrolyte levels and the risk of cramping during exercise. In these studies, there was no difference in electrolyte levels between people that cramped and didn't cramp. So if there was no change in electrolyte levels depending on whether you cramped or not, it can't be said that they actually relieve cramping. And the third hypothesis is an imbalance between nerve signals that excite a muscle and those that inhibit its contractions. And that imbalance is said to occur when muscle is growing fatigued. This also has not been proved in a rigorous study. It's pretty simple stuff, really. But interestingly enough, the guy that studies this hypothesis, Dr. Martin P. Schwellness, A professor of sports medicine at the University of Cape Town used a recent observational study on triathletes to recommend four risk factors for developing muscle cramps. These, I think, are useful. They're definitely not proven, but if you listen to them, they're going to make sense to you. The first one, aggressive pacing strategies, trying to go faster than your current personal best over a set distance. Number two, racing at a high intensity than you normally would in your training. Number three, riding for longer than you're used to. Number four, doing another type of exercise you're not used to. So they, to me, make a lot of sense. My opinion on cramping, which it really doesn't count for much, but my opinion on cramping is that it's really when you're pushing harder or you're going longer than you have done recently or even ever before in your life. And so it puts your body under stress and it puts specific muscle groups under pressure and then that is what actually creates the cramp. It's also interesting to note that the volume or intensity of training rides does not predict the cramping risk. To put it absolutely as simple as possible, the difference appears to be that athletes who are over-ambitious and try to punch above their weight on any given day increase their risk of cramping. It makes absolute sense to me, and that's why my legs were twinging going up the last hill of Latar. It was... Evident to me that I hadn't gone that hard in a long time and my body was suffering so I had to back down or I was going to be on the side of the road screaming like the guy we heard at the top of the segment. But let's talk about prevention. So it doesn't appear that nutrition has much at all to do with these types of muscle cramps during exercise. It goes against what a lot of people on the internet are saying, especially sports scientists, dietitians, marketers Anything that has anything to do with selling you something in regards to this, definitely I do want to call them on their bullshit. Let's take a quick look at training and bike-based fixes, specifically strength training first. So if you think your cramps are due to a fitness issue, it's not necessarily going to be cardiovascular fitness, but muscular fitness in specific areas of the body that may make the difference. So these deficiencies can be worked on and because it's localized muscle soreness or pain, then working on the one or two muscle groups to improve strength could definitely have an effect on cramping. Secondly, bike fit. If you're not set up correctly, then you could be putting more strain and stress on certain parts of your body or your legs, meaning that it wears them down quicker and then from that point on, They're weakened and that's when they start to cramp. There are scientific studies that back up the fatigue model of cramping. So this kind of follows along those lines. Now if we start talking about nutritional remedies, this is where it really starts to get fun because there are a lot of things floating around the internet, the bunch, anyone you talk to. There are lots of things and really... They're kind of unproven, I've said that before, but they're kind of unproven in their sense that they're really only person-to-person, you know, anecdotal, there's no hard evidence that I can find to any of these, but I am going to say it doesn't necessarily mean that you should rule them out. Scientific studies generally lag behind what's happening in the real world, so there can be instances, or there are a lot of instances, where science is just proving what has been happening and so it doesn't mean that science itself is changing anything in the way that you should be doing it and like I heard Dr. Alan Lim say the other day I'm paraphrasing here but the world doesn't change because science all of a sudden starts to study something so this comes back to things that may sound a little out there and a little crazy they may work for you and there may be a very good reason but people just haven't got to that reason yet so if we go through four of the more outlandish ones that i heard the first one salt in your socks now this is to me probably the craziest suggestion but it's all about helping you to absorb salt through your skin of course the sodium myth has been debunked but I thought I'd throw it in because I've never heard something so crazy but have you ever put salt in your socks so you can get more salt into your system to avoid cramping Don't be embarrassed because we've all done embarrassing things in the past trying to get that edge. The second one, tonic water. Tonic water is recommended because of one specific ingredient, that's quinine, I think that's how you say it, It has been used to treat muscle spasms or muscle cramps in the past. It has actually been taken off the market in tablet form though for over-counter sales because it can damage blood cells. It's not approved in Australia or the US for treatment of muscle cramps the other types of cramps, mind you, not the ones related to cycling. So it doesn't necessarily link directly to the cramps we've been talking about, but in its tablet form, it's not recommended and the drug regulation authorities of Australia and the US have taken them off the market. That's kind of saying something to me, but there was a study done in 2002 that showed that the short-term treatment of 400 milligrams of quinine per day can effectively prevent nocturnal leg cramps in adults without relevant side effects. Now, again, this is not a direct link to EAMC, but it's kind of interesting because this may be where the information starts from. I know it's very anecdotal that a lot of older people, and I don't mean any of here, But if people are having issues with cramps and things, then I hear from people that it's a recommendation that their doctor made to them that should start drinking more tonic water or bitter lemon or whatever has quinine in it. The interesting thing, though, is if you wanted to replicate this study, which is 400 milligrams of quinine per day, you have to have about five liters of tonic per day because there is approximately 83 milligrams of quinine in a litre of tonic water. So you're chugging down a hell of a lot of tonic water just to get this effect. The third one, pickle juice. Now, pickle juice has gained some momentum in the last 12 months. I've got to say before that, I never really heard it, but I have been hearing it more often in the last 12 months than I have heard previously. So what is the merit to pickle juice? It's based on the premise that certain mechanisms within muscles misfire when a muscle is extremely tired. Small nerves that should keep the muscle from overcontracting contracting malfunction and the muscle bunches when it should relax. Pickle juice may work to help in this situation by countermanding the malfunction. Something... In the acidic juice, perhaps even a specific molecule of some kind may be lighting up specialized nervous system receptors in the throat or stomach, which in turn send out nerve signals that somehow disrupt the reflex melee in the muscles. Ultimately, though, it's probably the vinegar in the pickle juice that activates the receptors to relieve cramping more quickly when drinking pure vinegar over pickle juice. But who is going to drink pure vinegar over the beautiful, sweet taste of pickle juice? And we're talking about a recommendation of a couple of ounces, so well under 100 milliliters of pickle juice here to relieve any types of symptoms that you are cramping or about to cramp. I don't know. I don't know. I haven't really spoken to anyone that's legitimately done this. It's easy to read up people that have done this, but if you've done it, let me know. I'm super interested. I've got some sweet pickle juice sitting in my fridge right now. Should I go and try it before I go on a long, hot, sweaty ride? Now, the fourth and final one, this one was actually raised this week in my accountability group, and I'd never heard it, so I went out and looked up the reason mustard packets. So, hat tip, Dustin, mustard Packets. Some athletes turn to fast food restaurants for a more unlikely source of cramp prevention in mustard packets. Cramps can be caused by a deficiency in acetyl, acetyl, acetylcholine. I know I haven't got that right. It's a neurotransmitter that stimulates muscles to work. Mustard contains acetic acid, which helps the body produce more acetylcholine. You're going to have to go to the show notes so you can read this. Um, It's probably not that hard, but it doesn't make sense in my brain right now. Anyway, one or two spoonfuls of mustard, the equivalent of a fast food packet, are all that's needed to provide relief. Some athletes take mustard prior to races or strenuous workouts or during a session – I don't know how effective this would be. Some nutritionists are talking about it also replenishes lost sodium. A mustard packet has around 200 milligrams of sodium in one tablespoon of mustard, which is the same as eight ounces of Gatorade Endurance. Wipe that off the table. But as far as the other thing is concerned, I can't confirm it either way. And I find this one a little bit more interesting because it seems so condensed and so easy to give it a crack. So I may try this one. I'm partial to mustard, so it's pretty interesting. But a lot of these ingredients are starting just to add up to a cheeseburger. But as for the dozens of commercial products out there, I'm saying they're bullshit. Well, I'm not saying they're entirely bullshit, but definitely test out the result that you're going for. Otherwise, they really do just become expensive crutches. And so, how do you identify your solution to finding why you are cramping? Well... Here's what I do, and it's based off my buddy Craig's approach to how he's going to solve his cramping issues. Pick five of the most low-friction options available. And by low-friction, I mean the easiest, cheapest to implement. Order them from easiest to not so easy and just work down the list. Really, really, it's as simple as that. There is no need to get caught up in any other more confusing way to do this But you've got to be aware that this definitely is pseudoscience as it is an experiment of one. So it does need some controlling factors, especially at the testing phase, and a couple of things that I would consider when doing this. Firstly, conditioning and cramps occur during hard, long rides and races, so you will need to simulate these conditions to see if what you're having or taking is working. So saying that though, you don't want to experiment on race day so it becomes a bit tricky and you're really going to have to have at least a race style simulation if you're wanting to prove that this works in your system. The second one is keep all other things consistent. It goes without saying that you only want to focus on one item at a time. It will make the process longer but it will also make life easier when you're really trying to identify what is the reason that your cramps are getting worse or getting better. So that's cramps. I've kind of crushed it into one short episode and I'm interested if you use any of the remedies that I've mentioned, whether they make a difference to you, and also if there's any other crazy ones I haven't heard of. My mind is always open and willing to accept alternatives, even if they are outside of any scientific evidence. Moving on to the tech hacks and products section. It's more of a hack this week. I was listening to a great podcast called the ESP Podcast by Chris Harnish. It is an excellent training podcast. It is heavily based in science and there is a little bit of movement around cycling. So it's not just cycling, but you can definitely browse through the catalog and find a bunch of things that are really interesting. And Chris's take on all things training and the interviews and guests that he gets on are some of the best I've heard on a podcast. So I highly recommend that out. I found him because I was actually hunting around to see whether Dr. Alan Lim had been on any podcast because I enjoy his actual philosophy on a lot of things and I think he's one of the leading thinkers when it comes to modern day cycling training. But anyway, there was one thing that struck me in this interview which I thought was a hack and it's Dr. Alan Lim's philosophy on his training. And so I thought I would share this with you and you might get some value from this. He really goes against the idea of marginal gains and uses the idea of what is your bottleneck? Or another way to put it is, what is your rate-limiting factor? So just to spell out what I'm talking about here, a rate-limiting factor is a chemistry term for the slowest step in a chemical reaction. The rate-determining step is often compared to the neck of a funnel the rate at which water flows through the funnel is determined by the width of the neck, not the speed at which the water is poured in. In a similar matter, the rate of reaction depends on the rate of the slowest step. So every rider has a limiting factor in their performance. I truly believe that. And everyone has something that is holding them back from what they could possibly do. Limp thinks about this in three areas, sleep and recovery, nutrition and training. They're all very valid and you can examine all of those to find them but I want to add a fourth one to this and the extra dimension I want to add is the mental aspect. It could be tacked onto the other ones but I think it sits over the top of them because if you don't have your head right then you're not going to get any of the other things right as well. So there could be questions like, are you afraid to fail? Are you pushing yourself hard enough? Are you making unfair comparisons to other writers? The best way to get any value from this is to be super honest and realistic with yourself, but at the same time, don't be too hard on yourself. Identify the weaknesses, write it down. Plan out how you can work on it, then focus on it and be relentless in your pursuit to get past it. Same goes if it's related to recovery, nutritional training. It's simple to recognize a bottleneck. It's just not easy to get past it. So hopefully this one idea triggers something in your brain that maybe you think is a bottleneck and you should be focusing on that over the next period, especially if you are moving slowly into the off season. What is something you can correct in the off season that can have you back firing better than ever next year? Now that quote from the top of the show, it's Johnny Barbwire Hoogaland. He is definitely one to watch in the welter with vacon soleil and dcm dropping their sponsorship hugeland will be looking to pick up a ride in 2014 and the welter is going to be his opportunity to show a new employer what he is made of which by all accounts is pretty tough stuff and that's it so till next week get on your bike and enjoy the pain cave or the hurt box whichever one you're into
0: You know, 30-year-old Johnny Huberlin took a terrible tumble in his first Tour de France in 2011. This year, he faced yet another serious injury while training in Spain. But miraculously, that didn't stop him from getting to the Tour de France for the third time. I'm not gonna quit cycling because of an injury. A lot of people say he's never gonna be on the bike. Actually, that gives me a lot of power. I want to show you it is possible. The whole spring season, I was training behind the motor. A car just didn't see me. He just turned left, and I couldn't avoid him anymore. So I crashed with 55K on the car. Luckily, my girlfriend was behind me. They told me in bad English what my injuries were, and then I start hyperventilation. Yeah, I broke five ribs. I broke four parts of my spine. Collapsed long. I had uh, like five centimeter cut on my liver. So I was like, this isn't possible. Now I'm really not be able to get on the bike ever again. Remarkably, just four months after the accident, Hoogerland entered the Dutch National Road Race Championships. One game before the finish that was the bus. And all my teammates were standing there and yelling and yeah, it was very emotional. Shorty Overland, the Nederlands in 2013. And after finish that was my girlfriend who was part of my recovery because she was always with me and she also saw the accident and then we helped each other and, Actually, we didn't say anything for 30 seconds. We just hugged each other and cried. It was amazing. Nou ja, na all the ellende of the last two years is dit gewoon fantastisch. Yeah, it is a long weg geweest. Yeah, I'm here and I'm Misschien wat beter than ooit, kom ik terug. Six days later, Hoogerland lined up for the biggest tour of them all the Tour de France. I feel proud because I'm proud of my country. It's just now, the international year. It's just a dream To, to the United States, to, would be one of the most beautiful moments of my life.